If you have your word, whether um, soft copy or a hard copy, turn to Matthew, and I'm going to be reading in chapter 2 from verse 13 to the end of the chapter. Now, when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while they were still, while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I call my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah, the prophet, was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, He was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee and came and lived in the city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that this morning you would illuminate all of our hearts and minds for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word. We pray this in your name. Amen. It's New Year's Day. Future is a mystery. There is not a single person sitting here or watching online that knows what tomorrow holds. Now, we imagine that all the time. We think, we plan, we know what uh, we plan to do tomorrow or maybe this week. We even plan down the road. Eric and I were talking about this coming June as far as going to General Assembly in Denver, Colorado. That's the plan for us to go, but... uh, uncertainties happen. Things happen. We do not know what tomorrow may bring. I will tell you this. God knows. God's word tells us that he knows all, that we as believers in him are secure in him. He has a hold of us and he knows 
what tomorrow is going to bring. The question is, are we going to fret about it? So God has a place for the unlikely. The wind blows as God sees and God wishes to accomplish his purpose and his will. You remember Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus came to Jesus. John records it in the third chapter. And in verses 7 and 8, this is what John records. Do not be amazed that I said to you, this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus, that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it, hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. And there's that so that, you know, something important follows the so that. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit, and that's a capital S. The question would be is, in this new year, as the Spirit moves in us, are we going to have some of those new beginnings that God is calling us to live into? The Holy Spirit in the Scripture here, Nicodemus finds himself at a, a place in front of Jesus at night, I always call him Nick at night, and, and so Nicodemus comes and he thinks that he is good. He is a religious leader. He thinks he has done things properly, but he is struggling to understand. Uh, I mentioned, I think, last week uh, about the chosen, or it was Christmas Eve one, and um, as you watch some of this unfold, and, and yes, it's added some things in there, but from the scripture, it just kind of helps to, to bring some things alive. And as I watch Nicodemus, as I watch the, the, the wheels in his brain just begin to, to move as he sees John, as he hears about Jesus, it's like, I just don't understand. But as he comes to Jesus, Jesus says to him, this rebirth, this being born again is going to be different. It's going to bring something different to you. The word in scripture is translated pneuma, which means the wind, and means uh, that as the, the wind blows, we may not know where it's coming from, but we can feel it. We can hear it. We actually can see it in the leaves and in the trees. We can feel it on our face. And Jesus tells Nick, dude, God's wind is going to blow. And when God's wind blows in you, wow, something different is going to happen. Being born again or being born from above is not just happens just that, that, that as it happens in us, God wants us to understand that he continues to work in us. And so as we are born again from above, God continues to blow in us and, and continues to direct us and continues to guide us. Day after day, the Spirit moves us. Sometimes it's a gentle breeze, and those are really sweet. Those gentle breezes that that push us along and lift us up, and, and we feel like, wow, God is, 
God is just right here carrying me through this. And then sometimes it's like the gust of a hurricane at 130 miles an hour that just slaps you side the head. And God says, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm going to move you to an unlikely place that you may not know about or may not understand initially, but I do. Do you remember, most of you will, Psalm 118.24? I won't ask you to raise your hands, but once I start reading it, you'll remember it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There are uncertain futures before us. And I will tell you, only God knows what tomorrow holds. So I want to look at Joseph this morning. I want us to, to kind of look at Joseph as his life unfolded. We, we talked at Christmas Eve uh, about these plans that Joseph had. And, and his plans were, hey, I love Mary. I'm going to marry Mary. And we're going to live happily ever after. And we're going to have children. And I'm going to raise them and be able to teach my sons how to carpentry and all of this. And he finds out that the person, this Mary that he is betrothed to, is with child. And he wonders, has she, did she commit adultery? But the angel appears to him and assures him, you take Mary as your wife. The child that she's carrying is conceived by the Holy Spirit. In fact, you're going to name him Jesus. He's going to be Emmanuel, God with us. And what did Joseph do? He stepped in righteous as he was, and took Mary as his wife. He became the earthly stepfather to the Messiah, the Son of God. Uncertainty filled Joseph's life. Joseph, now married, trying to make a home, and then all of a sudden the Roman government says, hey, guess what? You've got to go to your city, and in Joseph's case, the city of David, Bethlehem, and he has to go with his wife who is about to deliver, and so they have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and what's more, everything is filled, and they have a child. <laughs> the very Messiah is born in a stable, the most unlikely place you would think of the Messiah being born. The winds had blown. Joseph was listening. And he was trusting. And he was being moved by the Spirit of God. Joseph was that stability in Mary and Jesus' life. Even to the point that, as I mentioned last week, he found a home in Bethlehem. So they didn't just stay in the stable. They found a place that they could live. And we know from last week's text that the Magi came to visit. And they brought gifts to the Messiah. They had stopped in Jerusalem. They had talked to Herod. Herod had talked to the religious leaders. Herod tells the Magi, won't you go find out where the Messiah is so I can go and worship wink wink but needless to say Herod had a different plan 
because he wasn't going to have a rival king in his kingdom. Uncertainty. And then that brings us to the text this morning. Again, more uncertainty because God comes to Joseph and says, get out of Dodge. Well, he didn't really say that. I mean, that's our term. He actually says, get out of Bethlehem. Get the son. Get the mom. Pick them up, and I want you to go to Egypt. About 75 miles to the border. Most scholars believe that they probably went further, maybe another 50, 100 miles in, just to get away from Herod and any possibility that he may find the Christ child. God tells him exactly what to do, exactly where to go. And furthermore, God tells him, and you stay there until I tell you otherwise. God's plan. Joseph does exactly what he tells him to do, and they end up in Egypt. Doesn't hesitate. Can you imagine Joseph at this point? I mean, I was trying to think um, yesterday as I was working outside on a project, and I was thinking about Joseph, and I thought, you know, at some point, we don't have it in Scripture, but at some point, Joseph just had to say, okay, God, what's next? What in the world is going to happen next? But somehow, i got to believe, even if he thought that, the next thought out of his brain had to be, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you because every place along the way, every part of this journey that we have embarked on, You have been there. You have instructed me. Everything is to your purpose. This next section for us is, is really hard to read. It's hard to even comprehend. Because we we see a ruthless king that is feeding off of power and authority that he is not going to allow anyone to absurd. And so Herod orders, after he finds out the Magi have tricked him, he orders the death of all male boys, all boys, in Bethlehem and the surrounding area under the age of two. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine the heartache of all of those moms and dads, those families where their child was removed from the home, And murdered over power. But the providence of God was with Jesus. He was safe. He was protected. The plan of God's redemptive work was in motion. Most believe that Joseph and Mary and Jesus probably stayed in Egypt months, not years, before God came to Joseph again and said, okay, Herod has died and you can take Jesus, the Christ child, and his mom and return back to the land of Israel. 
again, Joseph trusting. You know, it's got to be this unlikely thought of, okay, I've got to trust again. Herod wanted to kill Jesus. God is telling me in this dream that it's okay to return. I've got to trust God's provision in God's way. And he brings the child back. A new beginning for all of them. As they come back to Israel, they, he realizes that Herod's son is in our power and he again has some concern. And so look at what God does. God comes to him again and says, if you've got concern, if you've got weary and, and worry about being in Bethlehem or around where Herod's son is in power, then go to Galilee. And he goes to Galilee, he settles in the town of Nazareth, and Matthew tells us, and the, another prophecy would be fulfilled he shall be called a Nazarene. New beginnings. At every engagement of Joseph from the time of betrothal with Mary to the time of, of setting and settling in Nazareth, he had faced so many turns and so many new beginnings, wondering what was next, not sure what was ahead. But at every interval... He trusted God. Any other choice could have been a disaster. Jesus has a new home. It is here where he is raised. It is here where he will leave to begin his ministry and his journey towards Calvary's cross. As we Fast forward, and as we are able to read and hear what the gospel writers write about the story of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, there is no doubt that we know that Jesus knew his purpose. He knew what he was here for and what it would lead to. There was no question. And so, in the faithfulness of Joseph... We also see the faithfulness of Jesus to carry out the plan his father had set forth. Not just a few months, not just a few years, but set forth at the fall of man. That there would be redemption through his son. What about us? What about us this year? We all have new beginnings from time to time. Some of us have been orphaned and in needed and needed to be adopted, and, and I'm one of those. Some of us were raised poor. Some may in their lifetime sitting here or watching online have been hungry or homeless. Some of us grew up in a, a family with difficult situations, maybe with a member of our family, a mom or a dad or a sibling or aunt or uncle, even a spouse. 
most of us can say there have been times in our life where we have a new beginning. Something has changed in our life. Retirement, fired from a job, laid off. Sometimes we move or have to move from one town to another. We take our kids and and we move and they have to start over again in school, in life. These things happen. These uncertainties of what maybe tomorrow may bring, how do we face them? And that's not even to count and mention the health issues that come along. Some of us in our life have dealt with children that have been sick or suffered, even continue to suffer. Others have had unexpected accidents in their life where they've lost a loved one, a family member, a grandchild or child or aunt, uncle, father, mother. All of these are are pieces of this fallen world that we live in that happen over and over again in some way that we have to face. And so the question is, how do we move forward when life seems so uncertain and we don't know what tomorrow may bring? How do we do that? This new year brings mixed emotions for me. It's a time when I try to look in two directions. I try to look forward to what's coming, and I look back in remembrance of what has taken place. And at least for me, I don't know about you, but my emotions sometimes are are very raw. As I remember some of the great things this past year that have happened, And then some of the the sad things that I've experienced and have gone through. They shape us. In fact, I would tell you that a lot of times the things that happen in our life actually shape us in how we respond to the new things that are ahead of us. I think about and get excited about what God can and may want to do with a church called Hope, with us. Sometimes I get nostalgic and think about my kids. Uh, Our oldest just celebrated a birthday yesterday. He turned 39, and we were talking to him last night. And then Emma's 18, and I'm looking ahead, and, and, and I think about her graduation in May and what's next for her. There's a lot of things I'm excited about. Of course, as I think about my kids getting older, that means I'm getting older, and sometimes that's, that thought doesn't help me very much at all. But, um, and there's a birthday quickly coming uh, this month for me. Thank you, Lord. So when I look at 2023, it's like, okay, Lord, am I going to trust you? How am I going to move forward in uncertain times? I think the answer is Joseph. You see, what Joseph did was trust God. He trusted God about what was coming. He didn't know, but God knew. God knew the past, he knows the present, he knows the future. And for us in this new year, 
is to have faith and to know and to trust God that his promises, hey folks, we know that the past promises that have been fulfilled were by his purpose and his will. And we know any future promises that he has made, prophecies that are yet to come, will be fulfilled. We trust him. I hope we do. We trust his word. We trust his plan to be true. We're securing him as believers. We don't know when, but we do know the future is secure in him. And that one day, whether it's at our death or his coming, we get to see him face to face. Thanks be to God for that promise. 2023 can be the best year yet for many of us, in, in, in some ways for all of us. Even not knowing what this year may bring, this year can be the best year yet. And I am not talking about all the commercials. You've seen the commercials have already started. If you want to lose weight, you can do it this way. Buy this, do this, eat this, don't eat this. I mean, everything is out there. I don't know how many got exercise. I won't ask you to raise your hand. How many got exercise bikes or Pelotons or whatever that bike is that will tell you how to exercise. It's just like everything from health, mental health, everything. The question, again, is, is that our focus? Now, it's nothing wrong with focusing on my health or doing things that, that will help me be fit and right and, and mentally stable and, and moving forward. But the question is, is my focus on me or is my focus this coming year going to be on Christ? What are we focusing on? And, and really, that's the, the true message today for us to hear is today is a new beginning a day today is a a a new day in a brand new year and the question we have to ask ourselves today is what is my focus am I focused on me and solely me and what serves me and what makes me happy, or am I focused on Christ and his purpose for me? Because if we are not focused on Christ, I will tell you, you will be focused on something else, and it will fill your time and your mind. So it goes back to this. As we focus on Christ in the uncertainty of what tomorrow will bring, are we going to trust him? Are we going to trust his sovereignty? Are we going to trust his providence? God is both. God is both a God that is sovereign, and he is, both, and he is also a God of providence. Sovereign means that he rules. When we think of a king that rules a nation, that, that he has a power and authority over that nation. So when we say God is sovereign, we mean that he rules. That he rules from his throne over the universe. 
and that he is subject to no one or nothing else. Psalm 103:19. Yahweh has established his throne in the heavens. And listen to what the psalmist says. And his sovereignty rules over all. Not part. Not a little bit. Over all. God is sovereign. Sovereign king of the universe. God is also a providence of God. God's providence is that he has authority over everything that he has made for his purpose in what he has created. Ephesians 1.11. If you were to open that and read it, there's a who there, but I'm going to change it to he. He works all things after his counsel of his will. He has created everything. He has providence over everything for the use of his plan and his purposes. Some of you have heard the name A.W. Tozer, um, and, and he wrote a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. And in that book, he gives an illustration. Now, I will tell you, just like every other illustration, sometimes illustrations break down. But it is a good illustration for what he uses it for, and this is what he says. Think about God's plan this way. A ocean liner is leaving New York City and heading to England. They have set a plan. They have set a course. The captain has that plan, and he sets forth heading to England. On the ocean liner are all sorts of people. And all sorts of people that speak different languages and different colors and, and, and different skin tones. And they do different things. They, they eat. They sleep. They play. They go down the water slide. They play slot machines. Whatever you do on a cruise, they do. But here's what Tozer says. All of those decisions that those people are making on the ship doesn't change the course. The course has been set. And the course was from New York to England. And God's plan is that way. God has a plan, and his plan is perfect. And his plan has been set. And his plan is his plan, not ours. Now, we are part of that plan, and we have a play in it, and he asks us to make decisions in it according to our gifting, according to how he calls us to use our gifts for his purpose. But it's his plan. And we've got to trust his plan. Yes, we will make some decisions. We are not puppets on a string. And sometimes we make poor decisions. And sometimes we make great decisions that fulfill the purpose of God. But God's plan is perfect. And his will will continue. His counsel. He works all things after his counsel of his will. It's for his purpose. And so this morning as we look at the life of Joseph in this text. And we think about Joseph and all that he faced 
over and over again, what Joseph did was God's in charge. God has told me to do this, and I'm going to obey God and trust God that his purpose and his uh, revelation and his direction is perfect. So the question again today is, what do we do in the new beginning of a new year? Because I will tell you that every day, is a new start. And what we will do with it, only time will tell. Thanks be to God for who He is and what He has done and what He is going to do through His Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a reminder this morning in a text that sends your son to Egypt. But he comes back in a new beginning to Nazareth. Father, each day is new for us, and I pray that as we live into this new year called 2023, I pray, Father, that you would use us and guide us, that we would surrender to your calling in every way, that you would direct us and, and where your spirit blows us, leads us, directs us, that we would go. Because we need to trust you and obey you in all things. For you are perfect. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen.